So God spoke to me a few weeks ago, and when I sat down, we had finished the series that we were busy with, and I said, Lord, what is the word for ACF? And he spoke to me clearly, instantaneously answered me. He said, the days are evil, redeem the time. Now, when I say the days are evil, I'm not saying it's the end times. When Paul said it in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 2, he was talking about redeeming the time because the days are evil, because Israel was called this present evil age, and they were objects of the wrath of God and were the subjects of it when his judgment fell on the nation in A.D. 70, prophesied as early back as Deuteronomy 32 in the Song of Moses. It's part of the book I'm writing. So we're to redeem time because we are redeemed. And like I said, and and I don't want to cover that ground because I want to get on to other things, is how do we redeem time? Time management is a good thing. You've got 24 hours in a day. Time management courses will tell you it's three sets of eight. You sleep eight, you're at work eight, and uh, in between you do a lot of eight. No, no, it's eight and eight, and then that gives you eight hours in the day, and somehow you have to divide that between your wife and your family. You've got to divide that between your personal time, your spiritual growth, and so you're dicing with or dicing up eight hours. How do you manage that effectively? So time management is all about that, but that's not what Paul is speaking about necessarily. He may be inferring that. But he's talking about the fact that for us as people of God, we have mandate, a mandate from God. We have a destiny from God. We've got a purpose in life. And it's pointless wasting time on sin and rabbit trails and other things, the flesh, and becoming distracted and detracted. There's a lot of Christians that are really good at shipwrecking their lives and scuttling the boat called their salvation because they don't live the right lives. They live ineffective, unproductive lives. God's intention for every Christian is to be effective, to be productive. God has got a purpose for every single one of us. And there's no time to waste on that mandate with other things, if you understand what I'm saying. But within the context of a balanced life, you know, because God wants us to have family life and leisure and all of those kind of things, but he wants us to be productive. And so the word is full of examples of people who found favor with God And we notice it by their accomplishments because they lived right and they lived for God. So I want to just very quickly just talk about it because last week we ended with a psalm that talked about that those who find wisdom find the path to life and to favor. They gain life and they gain favor. And that's where I said, okay, we'll stop then. We'll pick it up this week. So next week, hopefully, we'll finish off because I can only get to a point today in 20 or 25 minutes. So the thing that we need to look at is what is favor. The word favor comes from the same word as grace, which is the Greek word charis, where we get charismatic, charismania, (laughs) um, which is a gift, charismata, those kinds of things. And so how do we then know what is the difference? We know the difference by the context when we read the context of the word. But it appears about 150 times in the New Testament, grace or favor translated interchangeably. Strong's Concordance calls it graciousness, benefit, favor, gift, goodwill, thanks, or even just simply grace. And it's especially used for a kindness or a favor bestowed on someone who doesn't deserve it. So if you give grace to someone, what the implication is, they are not deserving of the good grace, the kindness that you are giving them. 
So this is a whole subject, so we can't go into it. But it's basically grace, favor, thanks, and pleasure, pleasure or goodwill. And so the thing that I want to just very quickly talk to you about is the times that grace, the word charis, grace or favor, means thanks be to God. Everyone say thanks be to God. Okay. All right. So now if I was to ask you, how many of you has God done something for that you're really grateful for, would you raise your hand? Now, if you would say, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done, what you're just doing now, what you're doing is saying, I give grace back to God. So that's one of the meanings of charis or grace. But not only that, it's also a special gift. The Apostle Paul, talking to the Macedonian Christians, says, you know, God will bless you according to the gift, you know, that you've given your gift, your charis, to the church in Jerusalem. So they took an offering up for the poor people, the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And he called it your charis, your grace, because they gave graciously. Is that all right? But also, it not only means a gift of finances, it means gifts that God gives us that defines our ministries. So Paul said, the ministration of the gift of God, you know, that gave him the ministry to be an apostle to Jew and Gentiles, you know, initially Jews and then later the Gentiles. So he said, I'm gifted to be an apostle. All with me? So you all have gifts of grace that makes you unique in the kingdom of God because you have a unique blend of the graces, the gifts that come from the person of Jesus, which he deposits in you to make up the fullness of his body. Is that okay? And that's why someone to serve, someone to prophesy, someone to teach, someone to heal, someone to show mercy, be involved in mercy ministries and things like this. So they vary. Is everybody with me? Great so far. But also, grace can sometimes mean just extra general blessing when it's needed. Now, I need lots of this. I need lots and lots of lots. Often I just say, I mean, just about every single Sunday. When I'm driving from the house to here and I'm meditating on the meeting, I just say, Jesus, I need more grace today. I need grace. Lord, I need grace. And God is always faithful. He gives us that, the extra grace. Isn't that right? And so Paul tells us in Hebrews 4.16, he says, let us therefore, and he's speaking in the context of persecution and hardship and difficulty. And so he says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Woo! Where God sits. It's not a throne of judgment and all of these kind of things, the way some preachers preach, you know, and all of that kind of thing. Lightning and the flashes of lightning that are around the throne is not donder and veerlich judgment. It's not. It is angels going from the presence of God, you know, bringing answers. It's part of the glory of God. Everybody say amen. amen. And so it's the general blessings. He says, come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. In other words, you know... God is just graciously giving to us, okay? We don't deserve it. But there's times when God says, you numbskull, but I'll show you mercy because of your folly. I won't give you what you deserve, but I'll give you much more of what you don't deserve. I'll give you grace. Is that all right? So he says that we may obtain mercy so that we can find more grace. More grace. How many of you need more grace? I need more grace. I need much, much more grace. Okay? So... He does that for us. And over and over again, it tells us, and listen to what 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, and God is able to make all grace. What do he say? All, all, all grace. 
Listen to the all your alls. Listen to the alls. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Isn't that okay? Now, how many of you know when someone does you a dirty? You know, I mean, like, yeah, you know, they do you in. You know, they take your kind heart and they chuck it on the floor and they trample all over it. Yeah. And then he expects you to forgive them. Yeah. Hmm. That's almost impossible yeah. without the grace of God. Yeah. You know, he says, they're your enemies, I know. But love them. Yeah. Pray for them. Amen. Forgive them. Amen. Now, the ordinary human heart... It's not able to do that. That's where you run to the throne of grace, get mercy, and obtain more grace. And you go back and go, I'll forgive you. Yeah. Are you everybody following me? Yes. So that we may abound in every good work. Everything God tells us to do, everything God calls us to, if you find it difficult, run to the throne of grace, yeah. find mercy, and get more grace. I mean, I, I, what an amazing God we serve, okay? So that also comes to stand for, you know, and as part of this extra grace that God's always pouring out, that's why the Apostle Paul often would say, grace and peace to you, you know, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? And then he, nearly every one of his epistles, he ends grace and mercy to you, you know? But it's more the pastoral epistles that he says, grace, mercy, and peace, <laughs> because the pastors need it. Okay, never mind. So it's that extra. But then, of course, also it stands for just everything that we have in salvation. Paul tells us that it's nothing we can earn. You can't earn the grace of God. You can't earn your salvation. Paul says it over and over and over again. He says, if it is by grace, it's not by works. Because if you try and work for it, you just cancel the grace. And God says, okay, try and earn it. Try and earn it. You can't. So it's either one, grace or works. So he tells us, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, he says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Faith is the gift to access the grace, you know, and then... Then we go on to do good works after that which we were created in Christ Jesus to do. Are you all with me? Amen. So every aspect, every, our justification, sanctification, our glorification, every aspect, every single part of our salvation, all by grace. So Amen. we can start now to pose the question and say, well, then where's this favor thing? Where's the favor coming? Now, where's the Pastor John? Tom, just be patient, be patient, be patient. I'll tell you now, okay? And so where does the favor come in? So it represents all of our salvation. And um, we won't go into all the verses. But the last one, the fifth meaning for the word grace, interchangeably often translated as favor, is favor as the way that I'm teaching it. It means favor. It denotes acceptance, approval, and pleasure. Every believer has the equal amount of grace but not every believer has equal amount of favor. Amen. Can I have an amen? You've got to say it loud for some people because it was taught a different way. You have grace and favor, unmerited, unlimited. You have grace, undeserved, unmerited, unlimited. But you do not have favor in the sense of 
that extra approval, that pleasure, that goodwill of God. You don't. That is in proportion to the way you live. Okay, so to favor means to give special regard to, to treat with goodwill, to show exceptional kindness to someone. Sometimes it means to show extra kindness in comparison to the treatment of others. Very often, you know, we look at other Christians and go like, yeah, they, they got, that's God's blue-eyed boy or blue-eyed girl. And there may be a sense in which they are because they seem to have the favor of God that is above you. But that doesn't come, you know, unsought. That comes sought. Is that okay? All right, so let's just have a look into it, you know, because, you know, you get a lot of these prophets that put on these big meetings, and they call them favor meetings or something like that, and it depends on how much you give them, you know, then the more favor you get. And then they promote themselves. They milk their churches, bleed them dry, you know, false prophecies, false miracles and all this, and they throw money at them, and then they're, you know, they're driving the latest cars and all this kind of thing, and then because you know, I favor. No, you're not. You're a thief. Did I honestly say that on live stream? I did. I said, you're a thief. Yeah. I said, you steal from the body of Christ. Yeah, they do. And they seem like they're getting away with it. But listen, their judgment is coming. Yeah. Yeah. So listen to what Bill Johnson says. Because some people won't believe John Wasserman, but they'll believe Bill. <laughs> if we gain favor with people, or as we might say, get into their good graces... What it means is that we have special access to them, and we receive something from them that others don't. So if you have the favor of God, either like there's a special access, there's a kindness, and you receive from God something that others don't. Okay? And you'll be hard-pressed to teach me otherwise from the scriptures. So some of the people, biblical characters who receive this kind of favor are, for example, Mary, when the angel Gabriel approached her and said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Um, Andre put me onto this. He, he did a study, um, a little bit went into the background of it, but Mary was possibly the Jewish um, writers basically say she was offered to serve in the temple very much like Samuel was offered. But once they would be able to serve until the time of their first cycle when they were coming to womanhood and then they would have to do something else because of the Levitical restrictions and things like this. So probably 12, 13 years of age, she would have to go and do something else. Now, Joseph was of priestly origin and was also possibly initially serving in the temple. And at some stage, it's possibly, if I remember the details right, because she had nowhere to go, Joseph took her home to look after her. And he would have then been much older than her, 70 or 75, and she would have been around about the age of 12, 13. And it's somewhere in this period, so because of her heart for God, she finds favor. Why didn't God choose any other woman or any other young girl? Greetings, you who are highly favored. Is that okay? And when then she's becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit because Joseph is a good man, although much older, takes her and marries her so that he protects her dignity and her character. What an incredible story. Now, you didn't know that, did you? See, in this church, you get pudding, starters, as well as the main course. See? And so that's the story. So she was highly favored. And then You know, it said about Jesus, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor. He increased in favor. He increased 
in favor because he increased in wisdom. Come on, everybody say, I want to increase in favor. With God and man. And it says the same thing about the little boy Samuel. Isn't it amazing? His mother did such a good job in the few years before he was weaned, in instilling something in the heart of this boy that when he goes to serve in the temple and she leaves him there and goes, that suddenly there's a comparison between Eli's children and himself. And not only that, the way that he would press in behind the curtain and go and sleep by the ark, you know that it said that the lamp of God had almost gone out. The word of the Lord was read. The high priest Eli was not hearing from God. His children were reprobates. But this little Samuel's going and pressing into the presence of God, going where he's not supposed to go. But because of his heart, he could access the presence of God, go and sleep by the ark. And suddenly he's the one that hears from God. Amen? But it says about Samuel, and the child Samuel grew up and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Now listen to the favor from God where it says, and throughout his life, not one of his prophecies found to the ground. Come on, church. See, God responds to us. When we press into him. Is that okay? I'm giving it away. So this idea of kindness or approval from both God and from other humans is essential. Esther was the only one of the king's chosen concubines who was bold enough to and therefore gained the acceptance of the king when she walked into his presence uninvited. She had favor. She had so much favor, she invited him to dinners and he came. And saved a nation. So it's really, really incredible that we need to grow on. It says Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord because he was righteous. God came and said grace was upon everybody. It was available for everybody. But because he was righteous, he found that extra grace which was called favor. And God said to him, build me an ark. So we need both the favor of God and people to reach our destiny, to fulfill God's mandate on our lives in the right time. If that's the case, Jared was telling me about a man of God that I was inquiring about that had a big impact in England, and it went quiet, and I didn't hear about him anymore, and I was asking Jared Cooper, and I said, what happened to Pastor So-and-so? And he said, ah, he just really messed up, got sidetracked, just blew it up, stepped out of the ministry, and I said, what a pity, because he, he was a great, powerful man of God, having great impact. And he said, yeah. He said, I went to go and visit him, and I spoke to him, and I told him, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and get back going, you know? Yeah. And he just looked at Jared, and he said, I don't even have the time left. Mm. You know, I wish I could have been able to sit there with him and maybe share this with him, you know, mm. and some other stories. But he just felt like... I've scuttled the boat. I shot holes in it. What's the point? And I, I really, I really, 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 there's something that Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 17 to 18. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned you know, about the day's evil and what's to come, he says, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. So how do we secure favor? 
First of all, we've got to understand Jesus was the personal embodiment of the favor of God. Because he said, I do everything my father says. I do everything he shows me. Whatever I speak is what he says. Whatever I do is what I see. Is that okay? And how many know he had favor with God? Isn't that incredible? How many of you know that in three and a half years he impacted the entire world and he's still impacting the entire world? That's a result of favor. Okay? So securing favor, every believer has grace. Every believer has grace already. Or you could call it favor. But let's just for the sake of the teaching call it grace. Psalm 51 verse 12 says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with grace or favor as with a shield. So you don't have to go looking hard for grace. Everybody said, I've got grace. I've got, I'm covered with grace. Amen? So God's grace is upon us. But Peter says that we need to grow in this grace. Is that okay? Yeah. So grace is available to us all, but we need to grow in it by getting the knowledge concerning the grace and then applying it to our lives. Then we will grow. Okay? So remember we said this last week. This is where we ended, and I'm going to just chuck it in now. Wisdom is the path to favor. So Peter said, grow in the knowledge and the grace. So wisdom begins with knowledge. Knowledge starts from studying the word and getting to know the Lord. What we then discover is experiential knowledge because you're living it out. But then another thing that comes is you start to go, oh, okay, I understand why he says this. Then as you live it out, the Bible calls that wisdom. The wise man built his house on the rock. He built his house. He built his life on the rock of the truth of God's word, okay? And then the teacher in Proverbs says this, now then, my children, listen to me. Listen to wisdom. You could say Jesus as well. Blessed are those who keep my ways. So wisdom is the ways of God. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my door, waiting at the doorway for wisdom to apply to life. For those who find me, okay, those who find me, find wisdom, everybody ready, finds life. Is that okay? So I'm going to put in brackets another word, finds grace. Okay, all good? Same thing. So those who find me find grace and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves and all who hate me love death. So in order to grow in favor... Bill Johnson says it like this, in order to grow in the favor of God, you need the favor of God. So in other words, you must already have favor to grow in favor. You know, I did a, a funeral in the, in the church, and it was um, for a guy who was in the church, and um, he had accepted the Lord, and, um, but when he died, he died kind of tragically. And um, his family, they were all like mafia. They were mafiosa, you know. He had an Italian surname, but it was like a mafia group, you know, family that he belonged to. And um, they came, because his wife was also in the church, she told his family, I'm doing the funeral. They were saying, no, he can't because he's not a Catholic priest. Is he qualified? So they were going to come and bully me and do something or the other. No, they want to come and interview me to see if I'm qualified to do their son's funeral. So they said, he's an ordained trained minister. But anyway, for some other reason, they didn't come and do the interview. But they sat here, <laughs> all dressed in black. And the mama was the mama of the mob. I'm telling you, they were just sitting, check me out. It was all just jewelry and gold and necklaces and chains. And they were just sitting, checking me out. 
And I knew one of the things that they were asking God naturally was, where is their son? So I was able to answer that in the sermon in the message and talk about a couple of things. And that was, I said, uh, the first question that we need to answer this morning is, where is he? Where is he? And I said, but before we do that, I said, often the question that people ask is, where was God on the night that this happened? So I was able to say, this is where God was. This is where God was. God was with him. The second thing is that we have to answer. And a lot of people run to God. Where's God? My question is, where are you with God? It's not so much about where is God. God is there. He's promised to be with us all the time. But where are you with God? So I was able to answer this that morning. Where is your son right now? Because he was in the right place with God. He's with the Lord. And then I ended the message by saying, the question now this morning is, we know where God is. He's near to us all. Is that right? We can answer the question where he was with God. But the question that I want to ask you this morning is, where are you with God? Because it's not about where is God in all this. It's where are you with God? And a lot of people rush in an emergency to try and get some favor from God. God, help, help, help. You know, they've broken into the house. Help, it's too late. You know, it's too late to run out and find a security company and put cameras in when they've already broken in. And a lot of Christians are waiting, you know, when there's an emergency, then suddenly God must fall off his throne and give you favor. That's not the way it works. It's as a result of a life lived for God. Where is God? He's there. But where are you with God? I'm there. Well, then God will be there. Is that okay? And so Bill Johnson says, to have favor, you need favor. In other words, what he was saying is to have the favor of God, you need to have access to the grace of God. So Prophet Quirbus used to teach and say, in order to get grace, the more grace, you need to have grace in the first place. John 1.16, it says, and of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. Is that okay? So you've got to have the grace there in the first place. So this unmerited favor includes not only being forgiven of sin, but this favor means that you can have access to the very presence of God in the same way Jesus has. God gives us his grace to empower us to become like Jesus. Bill Johnson calls it his operational power. He says it's the force of his nature, which he plants inside of us when we accept it, when we get saved. And the force of that nature changes us. So the two things, access to God and then his power, which changes me, then becomes the foundation of finding favor with God. And so those are the two aspects. Number one, the pursuit of God. The practice of coming to God through the new and living way opened by Jesus. Number two, receiving in his presence measures of his own nature that empowers us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So seeing it takes favor to get more favor or grace to get favor, we've got to understand that we've all been given a measure of grace through our salvation, but then we need to grow into it. Grace is unmerited, but favor is merited. If you don't like me saying it's earned, then you can call it sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow to the Spirit from the Spirit, you reap. If you want something else, you know, a little bit more practical, you could say the more you respond to God, the more God responds to you. So James 4, 7 says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. 
In Jeremiah says, God says, you will seek me and you find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So our choices, our responses to him attract his favor and equally the favor of men. So God loves everyone the same, but not everyone has the same measure of favor. Yet everyone is positioned to increase in favor. Bill Johnson says, if we are good stewards of the grace we have already received, then we will receive the favor. That's really good, isn't it? So our choices, our response to him determines whether we are favored or not. So Isaiah 66 verse 2 says this, these are the ones I look on with favor. In other words, there are others that are not looked on with favor. Just say amen anyway, even if it shocks you. Just say amen, yeah. So there are those, he says, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. In other words, those who are humble enough and respectful of my word enough to realize that this is greater wisdom than their own corpology, and they apply my word to their lives and they live it, these are the ones I favor. So James chapter 4, verse 6, he's quoting from Proverbs 3.34, but he gives more grace. Everyone say, more grace, more grace, more grace, more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so he gives more grace. So if you're humble, you get more grace. What is that more grace called? Favor. Is it okay? Because humility, James tells us, there's a humility that comes from wisdom. Because once you get wisdom, once you educate, it, educate this idiot box, <laughs> you know, and your corpology starts to come right, and you start to realize, yes, God's smarter than me, you know. You know, I've done a, you know, can I tell you, I had that realization in ministry. Because I was trying to do everything every other church was doing, and it never worked, and I couldn't understand, why does it work that doesn't work here? And until one day the idiot box caught a wake-up, and I realized I've got to do what God tells me to do without comparing. And once that happened, I started to realize, well, you know, God's a lot cleverer than me, actually. Because yeah. I figure I'm pretty smart. I, I think yeah. I'm above average, you know. Yeah. Humbly, humbly yours, you know. I think, no, I'm pretty clever. But my cleverness didn't get me anyway. I nearly prayed myself to death, fasted myself to death, ministered myself to death, and no fruit, and was like, oh, my word. And once I was like, you know, what a bumpkin you are. Once I started to realize, Jesus said, I do what he says. I didn't know. And then I started saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? Then he starts telling me, and then it's like, it happens. And suddenly I find myself redeeming time instead of wasting time, you know. So if we can get this, you know, idiot unit up here to go like, let's agree with God. God looks and goes like, now you're being wise. <laughs> sure, took you a bit of time, but anyway. But anyway, he starts to give us favor. And favor, favor makes us productive. Because suddenly, we have the good graces and the good will, the good pleasure of God, and suddenly we have the good pleasure and the good will of people. Do you know in the early years when I started here, can I tell you the people who helped me the most here were not Christians? Seriously, they were not. In the community, I, I suddenly discovered I had favor with the people in the community. So when I wanted to make changes, I was telling people in the church, I was telling other Christians and whatever, nobody gave a cent, nobody did nothing, nothing. It was worldly business people that came in in the early days, helped me bash out the old baptismal bath, change it, put the glass in, tile it. It was them. 
worldly businessman came up here, and, I, and we still try and do business with him now, all these years later, helped me with carpets and stuff. I had more favor with them than, than with... Do you understand what I'm saying? As soon as God told me what to do, suddenly I was the favor man and I could do things. Nobody else, nobody wanted to give. Nobody wanted to believe in the vision. And suddenly when they see it's all happening, it was like, oh, maybe he's hearing from God. Maybe we should help. <laughs> These Christians, never mind. No, not you guys, not you on live here. All right, he gives more grace. Now, I'm going to close with this. Very often we think that the results of favor is that somehow we have this higher status, less responsibility. You know, we just flow through life and God's throwing everything into our laps and all this kind of thing. That's not what it is. Every single person that I've mentioned to you, Noah, all of them, David, Moses, Esther, when you get favor with God and man, there's a promotion that comes with it. Before you get too excited, with that promotion comes responsibility. It's incredible how the favor of God brings more responsibility. So God's favor comes with added duties, more difficult challenges, more responsibility but also more blessing for it. It's amazing to me that when you put it like this, you suddenly understand Romans 8.28 better, where he says, all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So God's favor brings with it the reward for everything that we are doing for him, have done for him, and going to do. Favor will elevate you. Just got to look at Joseph, how he was promoted. I said it last week, and I've never said it before. It's incredible how serving Potiphar faithfully, thrown into prison, interprets a dream, appointed to our sea of Egypt, suddenly, because of the favor of God, he's over Potiphar. Could you imagine how Potiphar was coming and groveling to Joseph? I know it was a false accusation, but before, you know, had him thrown in prison because of what his wife said and did. No, no, you know, <laughs> bowing and screaming. He said, okay, I'll forgive you. His own brothers came who sold him into slavery. Oh, don't kill us, don't kill us. I'm not in the place of God. God meant it for good. The one thing that happens when you get favor, you're able to give grace to people. I think that's a good place to end. Hallelujah. Let's, let's give God really a good hand clap. I, I, I want to tell you why. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. Auntie Christine was just saying to me this morning, she said, I had a dream, and it's something to do with the series that you're preaching. She said, I haven't met a man. I'm not dating a man. I'm not doing anything. She said, but I had a vivid, vivid dream this week that I was making preparations for my wedding to get married. And she said, when I prayed and I said, Lord, there's not even a man on the horizon, and quite frankly, I don't want to get married. (laughs) She said, what is this? And God spoke to her and said, this is the series 
that Pastor John's preaching. It's preparation for a greater level of with God. Take it seriously. It's a prophetic word. It's what I'm trying to get over with you. That's why I'm tacking it from every angle and preaching it. I just didn't preach, you know, Ephesians 5.16, Colossians 2.4, just, just because I didn't have anything else to preach. You know, I am apostolic. I am prophetic. And I said, Lord, what is the word for ACF? Because the times we live in is not nice times. It's not lacquer. We could easily call it this present evil age. You know, considering the present darkness and all of that kind of thing. So Peter said this with 8070 looming large on the horizon. He said, Brothers, if this is what's going to happen, we need to be living godly lives, waiting for the appearing of our Savior. Is that okay, church? So there's no time to mess around, there's no time to sink down to the level of the wickedness. No, 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 no. We've got to stand up and live more righteously. Because whether we believe it or not, this world, this planet, and this nation is looking for godly leadership. And you can be a godly leader in your circle, in your environment, in your world. And if everybody and every believer does that, we will lead everyone to Christ and His kingdom will be being experienced in this world. Amen. So come on, let's just raise our hands and just thank the Lord for His favor. Amen. Say, Lord, I want to thank you for your great grace on my life. I'll be a good steward and respond with that grace. And Lord, I'll receive favor, favor for my life, promotion, promotion, promotion. God, you will raise me up. You will give me spiritual authority. Come on, the devil hates a person who has the favor of God. Because they're productive, efficient people. And they're also people with power. Because you have the favor of God. I mean, even the demons cried out and said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God to Jesus. They recognize his chosenness because of his favor. Let every situation around you recognize the favor of God upon your life. In the name of Jesus. Father, I speak blessing over your people this morning. God, I speak your great grace, but then more grace and much grace. I speak your favor. Father, that your favor gives them breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those who need it, that extra grace because of the need, the need. Lord, each one, each one watching by live stream. God, I want to thank you for that much more grace and that increased favor upon their lives in the name of Jesus. We all agreed and said, Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord be good to you. Amen. God grant you His grace and His mercy and His favor and His peace. Please, as you go, take communion that's been prepared for you. That's the symbol of the grace we have received. But it's also the symbol of the empowerment to step into His favor. Amen. Love you all.